You are listening to the Global Sales Leader Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Cooper, the Sales Relationship Coach. And this week on episode 64, I'm speaking with Dr. Mark Gorston. And we're speaking about some valuable insights and sales strategies on understanding the elephant in the room and lots of other insights and golden nuggets forward. There's so much on this one. Uh, Originally, Mark was a a UCLL professor of psychiatry with over 25 years in that field. And he's a former FBI and police hostage negotiation trainer. So he has a lot of experience in persuasion and influence and asking some deep questions. That's why this is so perfect for global sales leader and leadership. And he is the 20 uh, and he's pushed his book just listened into 28 languages, coming one of the top books in the world in this field. And I think you're going to love this conversation. Hello, good morning, good evening, and good afternoon. And wherever you are in this wide, wonderful, beautiful world that we live in, you are very welcome to the Global Sales Leader Podcast. I'm your host. Every week, I speak to some phenomenal guests from around the globe. We speak about sales. We speak about sales leadership. We speak about psychology around the sales. We speak about behavior, body language, linguistics, coaching, tech, and so much more. But really what I always want to give is some golden nuggets of really interesting knowledge. And today I've got Dr. Mark Golston. And I'm really excited because I've read his book, which is down on my right-hand shoulder for the Audible listeners. It's there. It's behind me. I read it last year and I was fascinated by that because listening is one of the core skills that we all need to have. So I'm really grateful to have you on today. Well, uh, it's great to be here. I'm looking forward to uh, what we what we talk about. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. Let's see where we go. So um, here's a little bit of synopsis. Um, You're the world's number one listening coach who coaches leaders to learn the power of listening and who also listens into and unlock and unblock and free them to whatever is holding them back. And obviously his book is just listen. I'm sure we'll touch on that. Uh, And Mark, rather than me talking about you, why didn't you uh, give a synopsis of who you are? Well, my, my background is that of a, a clinical psychiatrist. So I did that uh, for 40 plus years. I've also trained FBI and police hostage negotiators. Wow. And, and one of the things that I learned as a psychiatrist, <clears throat> and I focused more on psychotherapy than on pharmacology, is I learned to listen into people, which is different than listening to them, because one of my subspecialty areas was suicide prevention. And uh, and when I would see suicidal patients uh, and I look into their eyes, what their eyes would be telling me is, you're checking boxes and I'm running out of time. So I had the luxury of not checking boxes because uh, when I finished training, I didn't go into some 
uh, foundation or institution uh, where I had to just be doing paperwork, paperwork, paperwork. Mm -hmm. So I threw away the boxes and I let those people's eyes take me into the dark night of the soul. Wow. And so what happened is, and it's there for all of us. I'm trying mm -hmm. to teach the world to do this. And so what I, what happened is I, I learned to listen for hurt in people. Okay. And, uh, and it's a different listening than listening for, so what do you want to accomplish? What do you want to close? What do you want to sell? Mm -hmm. uh, and people always have hurt. Uh, and I actually have a weekly radio show on UK health radio called hurt less live more. And uh, you know, you mentioned something about this is like a, uh, we're meeting in a pub in Dublin. Yeah. And, and actually what inspired that show hurt less live more with JJ, my co-host and Dr. Mark is I watched this movie, the Banshees of Inishiram. Oh, yes. I recently saw that. Yeah, very good. And and what struck me uh, is, I won't give away the plot, but there's two men who had been friends, and they were both experiencing a lot of hurt. One of them didn't want to be friend anymore, and the other one wanted to find out, why don't you want to be my friend? And so there was a lot of hurt from the, some of them, uh, and not to be rude, but you know, sometimes we have friends that talk too much, they're boring, they drive us crazy, and mm -hmm. it hurts. It, it hurts because they don't take a hint that we got to go somewhere. Yeah. And, and I thought, you know, the world runs away from hurt and fear <clears throat> into uh, often destructive coping mechanisms, eating, mm -hmm. drinking, anger, whatnot. And so... Uh, we created the show because, and we have, and we have conversation just like the one you and I are having, except we just talk to people about their life and uh, the hurt that they've been through and how they got through it. Mm -hmm. And, and it, the audience is growing because people are listening. These are like real conversations. This is not a sales pitch. These people are just being real. And people are are uh, getting attracted to that, so so I learned to listen into people, and I'm trying to teach the world uh, how to do that. There's actually uh, you wanted some golden nuggets, so I want to give. I'm always nugget. interested in golden nuggets. Oh, I, I I hope you and your audience will like this. So uh, several years ago, right before the pandemic, I spoke in Moscow, along with a Nobel Prize winner, Daniel Kahneman. He wrote a book, Thinking Fast and Slow. I know it very well. I've got it behind me. Well, uh, so you can put that face up if you get him on the show. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, and my books, uh, several of my books have done well in Russia. So, uh, you know, I was I was a main speaker. But here's the golden nugget. What I was what I did my best to teach the thousand strong Russian business people, business men and women, is I said, underneath you listening to me you're listening for something. And if I can get what you're listening for mm -hmm. without you telling me, without you even knowing it, but if I get it correctly, uh, 
you'll give me everything. So I'm, here's, I'm going to demonstrate it with you, Jason. I was very curious to find that out, actually. And that was going into my into what I was thinking of. Um, I, just before you jump into that, is there something called listening with the eyes? And that maybe that's something that you're going to be discussing as well. When you listen with the eyes, you look for the behavior and you look for the body language and that type of thing. Well, it, um, I have mixed feelings about courses that train you to focus on the body language, focus on their personality, focus on this. Uh, if you're doing it to maneuver the other person mm -hmm. into a close, um, I think if you're dealing with discerning customers, yeah, they pick it up. I, I remember I, this is a, a side, uh, I think, humorous anecdote. About 20 years ago, I remember I went to lunch with a 30-something uh, woman and a uh, young man. And it was one of these networking lunches. And, uh, and the uh, young man, you know, was asking all these wonderful questions to the uh, young woman. You know, where'd you go to college? What'd you major in? What did you like? Blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I actually took notes on some of those questions, and then I took him aside, and I think this is actually in Just Listen. I said, uh, "I've dealt with billionaires. You'd like to deal with them, but you haven't. And I will tell you, anybody who's worth a lot of money can pick up when you're not being genuine. Yeah, yeah, they can I pick up." They can pick up when you've taken some sort of training course and it feels like you're trying to maneuver them and manipulate them and manipulate them. And I said, when you ask those questions, care about the answer. And so one of the things uh, that I'm trying to teach salespeople is this. First of all, if you can realize and accept that everyone is listening for something and I'll demonstrate that with you, Jason. So, and tell me if I get it right. So, you know, you're you're checking some of the boxes. We're covering certain material. Yep. But I think underneath you listening to me, this is what you're listening for. Uh, I think what you're listening for are guests who can give your listeners and viewers immediate value and things they never would have thought of. Mm -hmm. I think you, uh, you, the last thing you want to do is waste your listeners or viewers time. Absolutely. So, so they trust and have confidence that you'll give them value and you want to honor that by not wasting their time. And you're also, I think listening for guests who, well, they may have a best selling book, but they're awful. You have to go back to them and say, you know, we can't use the interview. Maybe, and hopefully that hasn't happened too much, but you're protective of your audience. Mm. And if you have someone who's arrogant and talking down to them, um, you know, I'm guessing you're listening for the best guest who can give immediate value and also for the worst guests who you need to protect your audience from. And uh, so is any of that true? I, I carefully pick who I want to speak to based on what I'm motivated for and inspired by. Uh, and for selfish reasons, 
is what I can pick up and learn. And because this is a podcast show, I can give people something of value that even if it's just one thing, and that's the way I always like to see one thing, if they can pick one thing up, that's going to help them build a better life, a uh, better process, uh, inspire them to move forward, whatever it might be, that's what I'm looking for. And then the selfish reasons for that I already said, because I always, I, I've just got that open book that I just want to go. I, I just want to find out more. I'm always looking for something else. And you're one of those people. Well, you know, uh, you know, one of the best things about having someone say nice things about you is it gives you something to live up to. So I will do my best. I'm sure you will. I'm absolutely certain of it. So, 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 so something I wanted to share, and, and it's a work in progress, but I'd like you to refine it. Uh, and it'll be a chapter in an upcoming book. Uh, the okay. chapter will be the elephant in the room of selling. Awesome. And, uh, and the idea is, uh, and I'll focus on B2B, business to business, or, or B2C, business to customer. Mm-hmm. It can also work for B2I, business to investor. But let me run this by you and, te- and, and help me refine it because okay. it's still a little rough, but... Uh, but I've shared this with audiences and they seem to have liked it and they've given me helpful input. Uh, so imagine you're having a B2B sales call with someone and, you know, and it's going okay. Uh, okay means, you know, what you would like them to do is uh, end the conversation with how soon can you start and how do you like to get paid? Mm-hmm. And that doesn't happen that often, yeah. you know, uh, uh, but it's in their mind. So uh, how do you free that in their mind? So it comes in the conversation. So a suggestion is if you're not getting that response, you know, and it looks like they're going to think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, what you say to them uh, after you've done your sales pitch is, can I bring up something that I think might be the elephant in the room? Yeah. And, and, and people are intrigued by that. You know, you're being polite. They can say, no, no, I'm, I'm through. I'm done. But a lot of people would say, okay. And this is for a B2B call. You could say, um, I, 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 I have a hypothetical question for you. Uh, when's your next performance review? And they'll tell you, well, uh, you know, six months, a year. Um, What's your confidence level from zero to a hundred percent that at that performance review, you will get the biggest raise and biggest promotion possible. Mm -hmm. And they're going to go, what? Because they're not thinking of this. And you say, yeah, yeah. What's your confidence level? You know? uh, And, uh, and rarely are they going to say a hundred percent and they'll, give you a number, you know, you know, 60%. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if they say, um, and, and you say to them, what would increase your confidence that you'll get that? And then they may say, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, if it's a B2B sales call, what they're going to say is, uh, well, you know, that I showed good judgment that, that if I bought a service or a product, 
that it worked out. It helped business. It, it really worked. And, uh, and, and then you can say, uh, let me put another layer on that. Uh, what if your boss at his or her next performance review gets a big raise and big promotion and, uh, and what helped them get that was something that you uniquely did something that you did for your boss that got him or her the biggest raise or promotion from their boss. You know, if you have a decent boss, uh, they'll, they'll pay it forward to you. Of course. So, so could you, could, could we explore what that is? And at that point, uh, what I'd suggest is you abandon what you're selling them and you pivot to their success and you drill down mm. and in this day and age uh you can do you can actually pivot to the miracle on 34th street uh, sale which is named after the famous movie and you might say you know what i have it's probably not going to help you get that raise or it's not a priority but in my network i know a half a dozen resources that might, and I can introduce you to them. And so what's happened is you've take, taken a customer who had sort of mixed feelings about buying from you. You have pivoted to what will make them successful, make them more money. You may introduce them to people in your network. Uh, and, what, what you, and, and, and sometimes the customer might say, well, why are you doing this? You know, you're gonna lose a sale and one of my clients said to the customer, yeah, but I've just sold you on, an, on a unicorn. Mm -hmm. And the customer said, well, what's that? I just focused on your success entirely and you will take my call in the future because of that. <laughs> love it. Love it. So I, I like the analogy of the elephant in the room. So you just push the elephant out of the way and you start to speak to them authentically and straight to what success means to them because it's never about us mm -hmm. and it's always about the customer and it's always about them and it's always about uh to build their hopes and dreams and whatever else it might be to um make their lives a lot easier so that's pretty much what you've done i love that and uh, i think that would inspire other people as well yeah so here is the B to C one, okay? So oh, yeah, I'm curious about that. <clears throat> okay, so B to C is you're, you're selling directly to the customer and client. Mm. You know, you're not selling to a business. Uh, and, I, and I coached someone recently because I'm in the market for a new car, but uh, it turned out that this wasn't the car that I wanted. But the, the salesperson, uh, I really liked him. He was asking the same generic questions, though, that, any salesperson would ask. And I said, you know, I want to reward you for your time. I'm not going to buy a car, but uh, here's something that if I wanted to buy a car would help you close the deal. Uh, and if after we had this conversation, you were to say to me, Dr. Goulston, Mark, uh, can I bring up the elephant in the room? I'd be curious. 
Uh, I'm not going to walk away from that. And if you looked at me and said, how big a ticket item is this, a car? Mm -hmm. I would say, well, it's not as big as a house, but it's bigger than a computer. And if you said, uh, so have you had other big ticket items at this level? Yeah, I've had other cars. And if you were to say to me, I think the elephant in the room is that uh, one day, one, one week in three months from now, you're going to be really excited about having bought a car. Uh -huh. And, you know, and every time you see it, you're going to say, boy, am I glad I bought that car. And not only that, I'm really glad I bought it from this dealer and this, this salesperson. I just, I just felt so taken care of. Yeah. Uh, and the last thing you or I want is for one day, one week, you know, three months from now, you say to yourself, what the heck did I buy this for? What was I thinking? Why did I spend that money? Oh, I'd like to return the car. Uh, this, I, I just feel awful. Yeah. So the elephant in the room is, uh, I want you to have the first experience. Because if you have the second experience, you're never coming back to this dealership or me again. Absolutely. And it sounds and like this is the, the story of your new book. Is it is it actually going to be called that, or are you going to call it something else? Well, well, here, here's what happened: is uh, I, I my publisher wants me to write a book, and I said, I don't think I want to write a book on one topic because it'll take twelve months, and then I may lose my enthusiasm. <laughs> and, and I am a popcorn ideator, meaning I come up with so so what I just shared with you. Yeah. is a whole sales course. Yep. You know, I mean, when, when you're listening to it is the, uh, uh, and it would be the elephant in the room of selling. So I said, that'll be a chapter. And, but what I'd like to do is write 25 chapters uh, on, on things like that. Uh, this is a little off topic, uh, but one of the chapters will be uh, 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 how to think like Elon Musk uh, without being an a-hole. <laughs> oh, that's going to be difficult, isn't it? <laughs> well, well, and so here's the chapter. So if yeah. you want to think like, uh, uh, what you want to think like Elon Musk, and this is how a visionary thinks. This is how Steve Jobs thinks. Mm. It's something that I call the three D's of visionary thinking. The first D is you define reality in the future. So okay. Steve, Steve Jobs said, everyone's going to have a computer. Elon Musk said, we're going to be able to put a battery in everyone's car. So you define reality. The second D is you declare your intention. Mm -hmm. I don't care if it's impossible. We're going to do it. Absolutely. I, don't know how, I don't know how we're going to do it, but we're going to do it. And the third D is you decide a strategy to make it happen. So those are the three Ds of thinking like uh, Elon Musk. Uh, if you're someone who fancies yourself as a visionary, a future visionary, one of the other things that both Elon Musk and Steve Jobs and others like them have is they could, they could go seamlessly between divergent thinking and convergent thinking. Okay. So, so divergent thinking means that 
they see the unknown as an adventure to be lived. Mm-hmm. Whereas the majority of people see the unknown as a danger to be avoided. Yeah. Yeah. I can see so, that. So Elon Musk or Steve Jobs. And in fact, when their control freak personality was getting in the way, they took drugs. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they took drugs to be able to step into the unknown and have that adventure. Uh, but they could also seamlessly have convergent thinking and have it land on a product or a service. Mm. That's the same as the Richard Branson approach as well, really. That's the, the visionary thinkers and how to inspire and sort of think uh, outside the realms. I'm not going to say outside the box because everyone says that, but outside the realms of normality, which I love that. Um, have you ever heard of the Disney thinking process um, uh, distilled by Robert Diltz, which is fairly much like that, where you think of an idea and you just push it to the absolute mm. extremes and thinking of the most ridiculous things it can possibly do, like a flying car and all of that. Then you build it down to a critic and you criticize everything and then you make it into realistic. Same oh, as like Walt Disney back in uh, the 1940s. So that's the, that's the Robert Diltz process of distilling a visionary idea and just pushing it out there. It's a wonderful way of thinking. Yeah, it also reminds me of something. I'm on my podcast, my wake-up call, I had a fellow named Tim Brown as a guest. He's the chairman of IDEO. IDEO is one of the top design innovation studios in the world. It's in Silicon Valley. And he was the CEO for many years. And, and, he, uh, and I asked people about their childhood, how they grew up. And he was describing, uh, I think he was an industrial engineer. And I said to him, I shared a line with him that I got from one of my mentors, a leadership guru named Warren Bennis. And I said, Tim, you're a first-class noticer. And he said, what is that? I said, when you look, watch, or see, you're an observer, you're passive. But when you're a first-class noticer, it really grabs your attention mm-hmm. and, and you tune into it. And in fact, I mean, he loved it. So they put the podcast up at IDEO and the way IDEO actually uh, designs things is at IDEO, they have a range of skill sets, not just computer science. They have sociologists, they have psychologists, mm-hmm. they have historians, and they basically say, go out in the world and be first-class noticers. When someone's excited about something, go up to them and say, I couldn't help but notice you seem to be excited about the supermarket or something. What do you like about it most? Wow. What is something that they could do that would really excite you? Mm -hmm. Or notice something that's frustrating someone. You seem to be frustrated by something. You know, I'm working for this company trying to design better things. What's frustrating you? And then they would all come back. Uh, and share what they noticed. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so what? I guess one of the things, if we're pivoting back to some of what I spoke about, if you're a salesperson, uh, and this may get back to body language or whatever, you want to actually notice how the other person is taking the conversation, and in just listen. One of the things I talk about is the the four levels of listening, but also the four levels of talking. 
And something that I've been coaching a lot of people, salespeople, leadership people, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe hosts like yourself, but you're doing a wonderful job of it so far, is when we talk, we can talk over, at, to, or with people. And you want to toggle between to and with mm-hmm. and away from over and at. Because when you talk over or at people, you take away their freedom to choose to engage with you. Of course. You know, because they're feeling pressured. They're yeah, feeling, yeah. Like, I have to do this. And especially for men, you know, who, who don't want to be told that they have to do anything, you're taking away their freedom of choice. But when you talk to and hopefully with people, you're giving them the freedom to choose to engage with you and want more. Yeah, yeah, of course. I love that. I always like to ask this question because I love asking this question. Um, If you were interviewing you sort of holistically, there's another you sitting next to you. What sort of questions would you like to ask you? Uh, It's interesting because my podcast, my wake up call, which is, which, which is closing in on 500 episodes and, and, uh, and the range of guests is really fascinating from Larry King to Jordan Peterson and, the, and runs the whole gamut uh, to Margaret Heffernan, one of my favorite oh, wow. guests from the, from the UK, loved having her on. And what I ask them is what matters most to you that you think will matter most to you at the end of your life? And tell us the story of how that came to matter to you so much. And because I'm a psychiatrist and my listeners are curious, tell us an origin story. Tell, tell us about the influence of your, your mom or your dad and uh, what you noticed about them. But also, what did you come to notice in the world that grabbed mm-hmm. your attention? So if someone asked me, you know, uh, Mark, Dr. Goldstone, what matters most to you? Even though this is a, uh, I'm going to pivot a little bit. No, no, I'd like the authentic answer there. Uh, so if you could answer that to, to yourself, that'd be absolutely incredible. Well, uh, other than my family and my children and now my grandchildren, uh, who all mean the world to me, I, I am blessed. Uh, when, I, when I think of what have I done in life? Um, I focused on suicide prevention for 30 years and none of my patients killed themselves. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's wonderful. And there's nothing that really comes close to that. Yes. I like to help businesses. I like to help leaders. I like to help salespeople, but uh, uh, there was a saying at the end of Schindler's list. Uh, 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 Whoever saves one life saves the world. Absolutely. And so I'll pivot a little bit because uh, actually I, I've become very close friends with a fellow named Jason Reed and his 14 year old son died by suicide five years ago, changed his life. He did a documentary based on one of the suicide notes, which was tell my story, which is available on Amazon prime. And I was one of the experts. So that's how I met Jason. Mm-hmm. And, and he's recently created a documentary called what I wish my parents knew because it's what he wished he had known with his son, Ryan, but he didn't get the chance. And he interviews teenagers about their low points. 
Okay. And, and it's being shown to parent groups you know, across uh, America. And so I'll give you an insight if you're a parent and you're worried about a child, especially a teen. What I say before we show the video is write down these five words, complain, blame, excuses, threats, moodiness. Mm -hmm. Complain, blame, excuses, threats, moodiness, because that's the language of teenagers. It and, is, yeah. and when teenagers engage in any of those, they trigger their parents to not be understanding or empathic mm -hmm. because, because they're worrying their parents. Uh, they're, they're frightening them. They're frustrating them. And so what these teenagers in this video share is when they're just being open, raw, and vulnerable without doing any of those things. And when parents watch it, they're mesmerized and they go home to their teenagers and they start to cry. And their teenagers say, what's the matter, mom? What's the matter, dad? And they look at their teenagers and said, just realized how much I love you. And, and then after the video, Jason talks about what he missed and I share some thoughts about how do you get through. Mm -hmm. So, so uh, hopefully I've given value in our conversation so far. I love that. Yeah, no, definitely. Because it, it's you're touching on a point that she's quite close to me as well. And the reason for that is a good friend of mine. I know we're going off topic here, but it doesn't really matter because I think it's a really good topic to speak about as well. And especially for men, uh, a few years back, uh, one of my best friends took his life. Mm and empowered me uh i'm running a 50k ultra marathon this weekend in aid of that but really mm. uh whether i make any money and put it to funds charity or not it's really to show that you can experience life you can push yourself out of uh, your comfort zone and do anything that you want to do and i'm pushing my body through a lot uh, running up and down mountains and all of that because I, I think you can do it no matter what age you are and you can explore your inner demons to explore them to come out and push forward and just life is here to to be uh, you, you have to love life so, so uh, wait, are you about to do this you haven't done it yet yes no it's uh this uh if when i push this out i would have done it but it will be this weekend this saturday the 25th so i'm going to give you a tip so you can endure the uh, the run uh, okay some years ago uh, there was a woman named anna and i think she has a site called anna runs america she ran across america for for i think uh, veteran charities and a friend of mine asked her what kept you from quitting? And so here's the tip for you. She said, uh, as I was running, I kept looking at the world as if I was a blind person seeing for the first time. Oh, love that. You know, uh, geez, that mom and pop store, they, they probably have their whole savings in that. Gee, that's a palm tree. Wow, that's a mountain. Yeah. Gee, a dog just left something on the sidewalk. <laughs> but, 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 uh, but if you can do that, just imagine I am looking at something for the first time that might help you. Uh, but, but getting back to the suicide thing, uh, something that I also give to parents are 
the four prompts. Mm. And, and, and these are things that can help your teenager open up to you. Uh, to do it, you want to do it during an activity. When you're driving, you're doing an errand. Teenagers hate for you to open up a heart-to-heart -heart talk that they didn't start. I mean, I've noticed that one, yeah. Teenagers can't stand that. So while you're doing an activity, this is the exact script, although you can modify it, is you say to your teen, um, you know, a lot of us parents are worried about what the pandemic has done to our kids. Mm. You know, lockdown, lockup. In America, we talk about we're worried about the shootings. We're worried about all this uncertainty. And I'm one of those parents. Can I just run some things by you uh, that are on my mind? And hopefully, if you're doing an errand, they'll say, okay, dad. Okay, mom. And here are the four prompts. Uh, the first one is, at its worst, how awful are you capable of feeling about your life for yourself? Mm -hmm. And they're going to go, what? At its worst, how awful are you capable of feeling about your life for yourself? And they might say, oh, pretty awful. And I invented a process uh, that I use with my suicidal patients called surgical empathy, which was a way of my going into their dark night of the soul and freeing them from like that, yeah. Suicidal uh, feelings. Uh, and so when they say pretty awful, you say pretty awful or very awful? Oh, okay, dad, very awful. Uh, tell me about that. And you get them to open up a little bit. The second prompt is when you're feeling that way, how alone do you feel with it? Well, pr pretty alone. Pretty alone or all alone. Okay. Okay. All alone. And you get them to talk about that. Mm. The third prompt is take me to the last time you felt that. And they're going to go, what? Yeah. Was it in the middle of the night? A few nights ago, we heard you up, you know, pacing in your room. When was it? And something magical to use your word happens is when they can describe something so clearly that you can see it with your eyes, they refeel it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was walking around, couldn't get to sleep. I had an exam the next day. And wow, well, then what happened? Well, I couldn't get to sleep. I mean, I was just pacing. And, and then what happened? Well, I felt like kicking the wall, punching the wall. And I didn't know what to do. Wow. What happened next? I looked for some of your sleeping pills. You have them hidden pretty well. I couldn't find them. And then the sun rose. So I felt a little better. Mm -hmm. And then the fourth prompt. Now, if you do this, not as a salesperson, but as a parent who's fighting for your teenager's life, you may have earned the right to eye contact. And you might pull over your car over to the side of the road and you say, look at me. And if you're lucky, they'll look at you and you say, I have a favor to ask. It's probably more than a favor, but I'll ask it anyway. The next time you feel that, or you're even going down in that direction, I want you to do whatever it takes to get your mom or your dad or my undivided attention. Because our minds are a million things. Yeah. And there's nothing more important than my helping you feel less alone when you're feeling that awful. 
So would you do that for me? And by the way, it's not a burden. If you do that for me, it's a gift. And you'll know it because one day you're going to have children. And if you're fortunate enough to get them to open up to you, you'll see what a gift it is. That's awesome. I really appreciate that. I know we've gone a little bit all over, but that's the, the wonderful things about having a good, fluid conversation like this. And I'll let you carry on because you're full of golden nuggets here. And I think our listeners will respect that from yourself because of your background and what you've studied and researched of this. So I think every part of this conversation is going to be cherished and I'm really looking forward to listening back to it. And I think uh, you've got some incredible stuff. Uh, I'm very privileged. Uh, uh, like I'm probably building up your ego here a little bit here, but I'm, I'm really honored to have you on here. And I, I genuinely do mean it. And how can people find out a lot more about you, Mark? Well, then go to my website, markgoulston.com. It's not as current as I'd like it to be because you know, my LinkedIn presence is more uh, uh, something that I attend to. And, and, and I'm listed there as one of the world's or maybe the world's leading listening coach. Um, part of that's because I've been doing it for 40 years. And, and my book, Just Listen, it, it came out in 2009. And a few weeks ago, it was uh, listed uh, on the list of the the best communication books of all time. And it reached number two. Wow. So uh, uh, it, it, I'm very humbled by its success. Mm -hmm. And I think what's happening is people are discovering it, even though it's 13 years old or more. And, and it's like new for them. Oh, geez, I, I, I just read this book. And it's so uh, uh, I, I'll share kind of a funny story, uh, uh, which will, uh, be one of the chapters in the next book. Uh, uh, and that chapter is going to be called uh, uh, why you don't, why you don't listen, why you should, how to get started. And it's, it starts with an anecdote. This is a true anecdote. I was walking to my office some uh, years ago and there were two drunken, bare-chested men uh, mowing their lawns, bantering to each other. And I pass one, and he says, Hark ye, pray tell us the secret to peace on earth for ye to pass. Now, they didn't know that I'm pretty quick on my feet. You know, I do a fair amount of uh, uh, guest appearances, and, and I like challenges like that, so I keep walking. And they're back to bantering and they're drunk. And, and I look back at them and I say, uh, hark ye, I've got the answer. And they look at me and they go, what? And I said, you asked me, what is the answer to peace on earth? And I've got the answer. And they look at each other and they look at me like, okay. And then I look at them and I said, it's very simple. Listen more than you talk. And they looked at each other, shrugged their shoulders and said, ye may pass. <laughs> Someone said to me many years ago, probably about 30, when I was living in the uh, UK, is you have two ears and you have one mouth. Now you use the things that are on the side of your head more often 
then you do that. And yeah, absolutely. I've, I've always had that and uh, always stayed with me to be true. And you discover so much more, which is yeah. uh, phenomenal. Yeah. One of my late mentors was a fellow named Warren Bennis. He's very well known in leadership circles. And uh, uh, one of his favorite quotes was, uh, be more interested than interesting. Be more fascinated than fascinating. Uh, don't be, uh, be a spotlight don't be what the spotlight shines on. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's wonderful advice. It's something I have to learn because, you know, your listeners or viewers are going to say, you know, Jason, for a guy who wrote a book on just listen, he, he just didn't show up. <laughs> <laughs> but I learned from the master. So I'm listening to you. So uh, that's uh, what I wanted to do. Yeah, I want to. I want to leave uh, one final tip for all uh, all of your viewers and listeners. And I mentioned it, uh, having gone to Moscow, and something I'm trying to teach the world. If you're in any conversation with a spouse, um, with a uh, uh, a customer, with an investor, you can try it with teenagers, but they're really slippery. If you get a sense that the conversation isn't going very well, say to that person, can we stop for a moment? And they're going to go, what? Yeah, can we stop for a moment? And hopefully that will confuse them enough to stop for a moment as opposed to escalating. And then you say, when we began this conversation, you were listening for something and you didn't hear it. Mm -hmm. In fact, I get a sense that we got further and further away from you know what you were listening for. Can you tell me what that might be? Because maybe we can still save it. I love that. Yeah, that's very cool. I'm going to remember that one. And uh, after this, uh, I will pull down the transcript and remember that myself to use and utilize that. So that's wonderful. Mark, you've been absolutely a, an awesome guest. I've enjoyed every moment of it. And uh, I'm looking forward to re-listening to this. And I'm sure my guests and the audience will definitely listen to this as well and see you. And your books, uh, is I know we've spoken about it. It's uh, Get Out of Your Own Way, Talking to Crazy, and... Just Listen, which is just behind you on your left-hand side, I think, is on your left-hand side. No, your right-hand side. Well, it's, a right. it's a reminder to me to shut up. <laughs> Thank you once again. Uh, you've listened to the Global Sales Leader Podcast. I am your host, Jason Cooper, and every week I speak to some phenomenal people from around the globe. And this week has been very special indeed. Thank you once again, Mark. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Global Sales Leader Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Cooper, the Sales Relationship Coach. You can find out a lot more from me on my website, jasoncooper.io. And you can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, and all the other sources. 
If you'd like to find out more about what I do and how I engage global teams to have better conversations with their clients in order to sell value and ask better questions and create those long-term relationships, please connect with me at jcooper.io. Look forward to seeing you on the next episode.